here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Scott. I'm with Pat again. This is heading into week one. We are ready for football. Uh, we've had all our drafts. We've dotted I's. We've crossed T's. And now we're uh, looking to get into a little informational week one podcast. A couple things that maybe go by the wayside. Obviously, we're going we're gonna to look to get into a start and sit at, at the end. But one thing that happens right after the draft and throughout the season is the waiver process. Some people, especially if you're new to it, uh, there are many options for picking up players that aren't currently on your roster, uh, whether they are, you know, you want to consider them free agents. There's different categories once you go into the waiver category. But a lot of people don't maybe understand how waivers work, how they process. And if there is even a system to help you get the players you need, obviously, we are going to talk about three particular ones today. We have the inverse order. Uh, of waiver processing, where the last team that from that week, the worst team possible has the first crack at that week's player, a rolling waiver, kind of like Cap and Bucky, they stay with you till the end of the line. And then once you make that pick, you move to the back of the line. And then finally is the free agent acquisition budget, where you actually have a little play money like Monopoly, and you can spend it wisely or you can go all in on one guy. Um, and, and it just sounds like I think a lot of people maybe aren't sure what their league uses. Check your league rules. Right, Pat? Yeah, man. It's uh, one of the things that we talked about in our very first episode was knowing your league rules and knowing what the important facts and features are, your scoring system, all of those things. The way that your league processes waivers is one of the important things that you need to make sure that you pay attention to. Like Scott said, there are three main ones. Some leagues uh, do use some other different types of waiver determining factors. But for the most part, the, the three main ones are the ones that he said, the inverse order, the rolling waivers and your free agent acquisition budget or your fab is commonly known as fab. And we're going to give you a little bit today on how each of them work and and like, like Scott already did, but uh, also how you can sort of use each of those waiver types to your advantage in your, uh, in your league. So we'll start with the, with the inverse order. And, and like Rudy said, the inverse order is basically whichever team is in last place, after the final results of that particular week has the first waiver priority, meaning that you have the first basically pick. If, if you were drafting free agent players, you would have the first pick. You would get the, the the guy that you want as long as you put in a claim. And honestly, the big thing with that inverse order waiver system is when you have those high priorities, go ahead and grab the players that you want. Because if you don't grab the guys that you want this week, and say you win, you know, the following week and a couple of the teams in your league lose, now all of a sudden you may not be the worst team anymore, which means the following week you go from waiver priority one to, you know, waiver priority four or five, or maybe even lower than that. And now you can't get the players that you want. So if, if your league uses the inverse order, which I don't think many do anymore, but if your league does use that, that inverse order waiver priority, go ahead and grab your guys when you have the high priority. Our league of record was initially an inverse order waiver system. And I remember every week I would basically just go ahead and put claims in for people because 
even if I was number one in the league and had the 12th priority, that may change next week. So I'm just going to go ahead and pick up the guys that I want and not really care about, uh, you know, where that leaves me in the order for the next week. I think somewhere in, in the Bible might say, you know, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. And it's just almost in like any draft culture uh, in any of the sports where, yeah, you do want to see it. I, I believe pro sports work that way, especially with the NFL, where um, the poorest teams record-wise or, or points differential-wise, things like that from week to week, do have the first crack at improving their team. It is, for those that get frustrated at the beginning of the year, you might start out 0-2, 0-3. You know, I, I, we've had people in our league, everybody's seen it, where somebody makes a gigantic comeback. And that's a big way, let alone guys that are already available that blow up and become a star or or fill in for somebody injury-wise and become a de facto starter for a few weeks or maybe the whole season. Other players in your league, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. They're looking to fill a different need and they let go a guy and suddenly that player is available for you. Hey, jump on it, pounce on it. Absolutely. It, it is a way to, you know, build it and a lot of addition by subtraction and it does work. I mean, it's helped me in the past. I know it's helped you, Pat. And it's really, uh, you know, sometimes even for streaming, reading through the tea leaves, seeing what's going to be that big matchup for the week, even if it's just for one week, just to get you over the hump against a, an opponent. Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned about adding and dropping, you know, most leagues, there's a set roster space. You know, you have 15, 16, 17 roster spots. Now pay attention to the guys that are being dropped for the players that are being added, because sometimes teams don't have any choice but to drop a, you know, a solid player because they may need a bye week fill in at a position and they drop somebody, somebody decent that uh, you can then go ahead and claim the same week. And, and so make sure that you're paying attention, not only to the waivers on Tuesday, when, you know, when you're putting your claims in, but pay attention to after waivers clear on Wednesday and see who everyone has dropped and make sure that you're taking a look to see if any of those players can improve your team. Because especially if you're using that inverse order uh, setting, you may have used your number one waiver claim if you're the, the last place team in the league. But because everybody else is claiming players, by the end of that waiver fallout, you may be back up to you know waiver priority three by your second set of waivers. And, and what I mean by second set is usually after players are dropped, uh, there's usually like a two-day period where any player, any team owner can go and claim those players off of waivers again. So there's there's almost like a second round of waivers that usually clears on Friday. And then in some cases, a third round that clears Sunday morning. So again, just make sure that you're paying attention to when your waivers are clearing. Uh, another advantage that you can use is if the site tells you when the waivers clear, for example, your waivers clear, like I know in our league of record, we play on NFL.com, our waivers generally clear around four o'clock in the morning or so on Wednesday morning. Man, set your alarm and get up at five o'clock and check the waiver and see see who fell off or see who didn't get claimed because those players will be free agents now to where you can just go ahead and pick them up without having to use your waiver priority. This is especially helpful in the next type of waivers that we're going to talk about, which is the rolling waiver. So if you have the number one waiver priority, let's say you want to pick up you know player X and you're not in love with him, so you don't want to use your number one waiver priority. But if nobody else claims them, you'll go ahead and pick them up as a free agent. Make sure that you're paying attention to when those waivers claim because there's other there's other managers in your league that are doing the same thing and that are looking to pick up 
you know, the, the leftover scraps what, when you don't have to actually use your waiver claim for them? I mean, the biggest thing in this is, you know, obviously you, you study all year, year or a couple months, or you pick the book up before you go into your draft and you make your picks and you love them, you hate them. But again, it's a weekly game. So there will be bye weeks where you have to give up on your best player, the guy who's been scoring the most, you're, you're going to have to sit a week. There's going to be times where as much as you want somebody to be that guy, the matchup just doesn't dictate it. Uh, there's somebody else out there. Strike while the iron's hot. It's being advantageous, like Pat's saying, where, you know, if you're, you have to be a vulture, you have to be willing to pick up anything out there that's going to benefit your team for that week or somebody even in the long haul, maybe a handcuff to one of your running backs who you never know if he's going to go down. Um, you know, you didn't get a chance to draft that guy. Somebody cuts him. He sits out there for a week or like you're saying, once once the waiver process clears and then you don't have to burn that claim and everybody's technically just a, a free agent, so to speak, to pick up. That's when you can really start to hammer home things. Uh, if you're streaming defense and kicker, quarterback and tight end, those are the times to wait because mostly everybody's locked in for the first like nine or 10 top guys that week. But you're going to find somebody who's a good matchup. You're going to see, again, you're going to see your Matt Stafford, your, your Matt Ryan sitting out there. Nobody wants them. They're not a, a sexy pick by any stretch, but they're going to go off probably every other week. Pay attention to those matchups. Pay attention to the injuries. They may not be fantasy relevant in a sense based on what you see on your different channels and your websites that you that you study. But those things do go a long way when you're talking about matchups. I mean, you look at Malcolm Butler just retired out of the blue in Arizona is cornerback number one for them. They're now starting a fourth round draft pick at their number one cornerback spot in Arizona. Well, I'm going to look for the next couple of weeks until that kid gets comfortable. Who's getting picked on with what quarterback? Who's playing against Arizona the next couple of weeks? What wide receivers are out there? May not be the guy I want to start, but it's going to get me the most points. I might have to pick him up. I'm doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Those are things. Those, those cornerback matchups are important, and and we'll we'll get into those during your your weekly start sits, and and we might even get into those a little bit today. So the second type of waiver that we talked about that I, we kind of touched on a little bit was the rolling waivers, and so that everybody understands, rolling waivers is basically whoever picks up a player, they then move to the bottom of the waiver priority. So if you're in a like a standard twelve team league, once you pick a player, you go to number twelve. Once someone else picks a player, they go to 12, you obviously move up to 11 and so on and so forth until you work your way back up to the top. In both the inverse order and the rolling waivers, there is sort of a, and I see this a lot, I am the commissioner of our league of record, and I have gotten some phone calls and some text messages asking me why, you know, uh, so I had a waiver claim in for this person and the other this other team got them. I don't understand. So understand that the order, first of all, that you put your waiver claims in does matter. Okay. So the, the first claim that you put in, and a lot of the sites will will have you, you know, order your waiver claims the way that you want. The, the person that you put at the top, that is your top waiver priority. Now, let's say, for example, you have waiver priority four and you want player X as your he's your top waiver priority for the for the week maybe he's your only waiver priority for the week he may be third player x may be the third priority for team three but their first priority player y and their second priority player z may be the team with 
the first waiver priority and the team with the second waiver priorities top two. So when it, by the time it gets to team three, player X is now the highest priority left on their waiver priorities. They are still going to get player X before you get player X at the fourth position because the first, their first two waiver priorities are already gone. So basically what happens is, and this is, this is mostly the text messages I've, I've gotten or, or phone calls I've gotten is, oh, I had so-and-so as my top priority and this other team had them as their third priority. How come he got them and I didn't? Well, the way that the waivers process is, whoever has waiver priority one, if they have a claim, they automatically get their top priority and then they automatically move to 12. And then it goes to number two. Maybe number two didn't put, you know, team number two didn't put any claims in. Okay, fine. It moves right on to team number three. Whoever team three has left at the top of their priority then gets that next player. So you have to make sure that you're ordering your players correctly in order to attain the ones that you want as most likely as possible. It's not always going to happen there. You know, obviously there's very few uh, good players left on the waiver wire by the time your, your draft starts, but you need to make sure that you're putting in the proper waiver claims. The other thing that I want to sort of, I, a little tip that I've, I've started to institute with waivers is putting in multiple claims for the same player. And this is kind of hard to explain without something to actually look at, but I'm going to do the best that I can here for you. And if you have questions, you can email us at the nine route FFB at gmail.com. And I'd be more than happy to, me or Rudy would be more than happy to uh, email you back with some, some information and something that you can actually look at. But basically what this means is, let's say you have your eye on three different players and you are willing to drop three different players in order to pick those, those players up off of waivers. The proper way to do this and the way that's going to guarantee you to get the three players that you want, as long as someone else doesn't have them as a higher priority. So what you want to do is you want to put in the player that you want the most. You want to put them in your first waiver position. You want to drop the player that you would like to drop the most. So the player that you want the least on your team, whether that be somebody who's injured or somebody that just isn't producing and you're willing to get rid of them. Now, when you go on to your second player that you want, what you want to do here is you want to put in a claim for that second player. If we'll call him player Player A is the first player that you want. Player B will be the second player that you want. When you put in your claim for player B, put in a claim for player B and to drop the same player that you dropped for player A. That way, if player A is gone, when you get to player B, the first waiver that will be up for you will be player B for that player that you wanted to drop the most. Then what you do is you set another waiver claim for player B and you drop the second player that you would like to drop, the second least valuable player that you want to keep on your team. Move on to player C. When you go to put your claim in for player C, you're going to drop the same player that you dropped for player A. You're going to put in another claim for player C, and you're going to drop the same player that you dropped for your second claim for player B. And then you're going to put in another claim for player C and you're going to drop the third player, whoever that third player is that you're willing to drop on your team. And that will allow you to acquire all three players and drop the players that you're willing to drop in the order that you want to drop them. And I know it's a little bit hard to understand um, without being able to see anything. Normally, when I explain this, I kind of write it down because it's a little easier to visualize when you can actually see it. But 
basically what you're doing is you're putting in for three players, you're going to put in six waiver claims. You're going to put in one for player A, two for player B, and three for player C. And you're just going to drop all three of those players in the order that you want to drop the players to claim those players. Now, one of the things that you can also do is let's say you want one of two running backs. Let's say you want player A or player B, because let's say this is a spot start for the week. You have some guys on by and you're just trying to pick up a running back that you can start for the week. If you would like one player of the two, then when you go and put your waiver claims in, make sure that your drop player is the same player. You're going to add a waiver claim for player A, drop player X, add a waiver claim for player B, also drop player X. That way, when the waivers process, if you get player A and drop player X, when the claim comes back around, if player B is still on the board, by the time your next waiver resolves, it will deny that waiver claim because you no longer have player X on your roster because you've already dropped them to pick up player A. So that's how you can set your waivers up to work for you so that you don't have to scramble and go back and be like, oh crap, I don't, I didn't want to drop that guy. I, I would rather have picked up this guy. So make sure that you're paying attention to not only the players that you're picking up, but the players that you're dropping in your waiver claims, because that can make the difference in how your team turns out. Because if you drop a player and then someone else goes and picks them up off a of free agency that same week. Now you have no access to that that player that you dropped. Just just pay attention to who you're adding and who you're dropping. I, I know what you're explaining there, and I know for some people they may think, "Well, wait, this guy, this guy." Yeah, you're you're basically it's more of the player on your team that you're most willing to give up is going to be that guy that gets slotted in for. Like you're saying, if you're trying to pick up three different people, that player gets slotted in at all three spots because the chances of you getting the first guy, depending on how your waiver orders go, you might not have a shot. Unless you're first in line and, and you know you're first in line, maybe second, you know that you're going to get that running back, that wide receiver that's out there. And again, you're willing to dump some guy on your bench that is just an afterthought. Again, that you don't get that guy. Well, at least that same scrub from your bench goes towards the next guy or the next guy or the next guy. Probably the only time you really want to just go maybe tit for tat as far as player for player is if you're streaming kicker, you're streaming defense and possibly even streaming quarterback and stuff like that. But no, definitely you you do want to you do want to have a strategy versus just sitting there and going, oh well, I tried to pick him up, didn't work. Man, this sucks. Like, no, yeah, you, you do have to have a little bit of a game plan, definitely. Yes, it um a game plan you know, part of what we talked about, and again, in that first episode in our draft tips and strategies episode was to have a game plan. You need to have a game plan with waivers as well. You need to make sure that you're not wasting your claim on somebody that you don't really want. You also want to make sure that you're taking advantage of your claims when you're putting them in, because especially in those rolling waivers, which a lot of leagues do now, once you put that claim in and you pick that guy up, you're, you're back down to the bottom of the list and there's nothing that you can do about it. You can't give the guy back and move back to the top. So Make sure that you're paying attention to who you're claiming and who you're dropping and make sure that it's worth your your waiver priority. Like you said, if you're streaming defenses or kickers, for me personally, I won't even put waiver claims in for defenses and kickers. If I'm streaming, I will wait until all the waivers clear on Wednesday and then I'll go in and I'll pick them up as a free agent without having to use my waiver priority unless it's a defense that I really expecting to have a huge game or maybe looking ahead and seeing that they have three or four matchups in a row where I would want to keep that defense and play them at that point, then I might use a waiver claim for them. But for the most part, I'm just, I'm picking up 
defenses based off of matchups after waivers have already cleared. That way I'm not using a waiver priority on a defense or a kicker. Yeah, you don't you don't want to waste it. I mean, based on needing uh, a position, you have to look at what's the most important thing for your team. And again, whether you're wasting the the dollar budgets that we're, that Pat's going to talk about, uh, you know, again, or just wasting that claim and then having moved to the back of the line just to pick up a position that's probably not going to be too far away. Again, a kicker, a defense. You may have a defense blow up. You may have a kicker blow up. But chances are, most of them are all going to be in that same generic range so if you're streaming you're, do you really want to burn that waiver claim for that, that position for that player or yeah do you want the guy that's probably going to help your team out as a skill position and a little bit about the the free agent acquisition budget there's a lot of different strategies that i've heard and seen and used with the free agent acquisition budget the fab what i would say is this so first of all there is also a, a claim order with your with your fab make sure that when you're putting in your bids the player that you want the most you need to put at the very top of your claim order don't think that just because you bid the most on player x that he's automatically going to be the player that that your website that you're using assumes that you want the most because you bid the most dollars for the way that those waiver those fab claims work is there's usually different rounds round 1 round 2 round 3 it goes down as far as you know as far as you keep putting claims in but basically remember this this is the thing to remember with the fab whoever's on top regardless of how much you bid that is your first priority for that round so for example again you want player x and he's your the highest guy that you want but you don't think a lot of people are going to bid high on him so let's say you bid let's say your your fab is $100 for the year let's say you bid $5 on that player the next player in that same round you bid $10 for player Y, you bid $10 for that player because he's going to be a little bit more highly sought after, but maybe it's a position that you don't need, or maybe it's somebody that you're trying to keep away from your opponent um, to play matchups that week. Just because you bid $10 does not mean that is the first player that's going to be claimed by your site. Usually the way that these fab sites work, these the way that the waiver sort of progress the first player in round one is what the computer looks at as your highest priority so if you bid five dollars on somebody and somebody else bid six dollars on that same player in round one you're going to lose out on that player to the person who bid six dollars but what happens is that doesn't automatically put that second player as your number one priority now what you need to do is you need to make sure you go ahead and put that second player in round two that way if you do win the player in round one, they the, the, they don't resolve anymore. So make sure that you are putting, again, just like you did with, just like we explained with the player A, B, and C, make sure that you're putting in multiple claims for the same players in different rounds. Because once you get a player in one round, that's it for that round. You don't get to claim another player in round one or another player in round two if you've already claimed a player in round two. So just pay attention to that. Again, do sort of the same thing. Put the same claim, put in the guy that you want the most, put him alone in round one. If you have somebody else that you like, put him in round two. And then if there's another player, then you want to make sure that you have all three of those players in round three and bid the same amount on each one. That way you're not losing out on a player that you want because he came off in round two instead of coming off in round three. So just make sure that you're paying attention to those orders. Again, if you need that explained, um, you can go ahead and email us. Again, our email is the nine route FFB at gmail.com. Email us and we can explain it to you a little bit better. 
The one other thing that I did want to say about your free agent acquisition budget, don't be afraid to spend your money early. I see a lot of people who want to hold on to that budget. And, and that way, if somebody gets hurt late in the season, they have the most money and they can claim them. Guess what? I've seen that happen. And then those players, because they're so stingy with that budget, still not bid enough to win the backup that for somebody who got hurt or that star player who you know broke out once he got an opportunity. Don't be afraid to spend your money early. Think of it this way. If you had picked up James Robinson after week one, let's say he wasn't drafted last year, which in a lot of leagues he wasn't. If you missed out on him because you only wanted to bid, say, 20% of your fab, aren't you kind of kicking yourself for not spending 50 or 60% of your fab? Because now you have the guy who finished as the RB7 last year. It doesn't matter how much fab you spent on him. It doesn't matter if you spent 100% of your fab on him. You basically got the RB7 for the entire season with your fab budget. If you spend, let's call it $45. But you get that player for three weeks, you basically spent $15 per week on that player. But if you spend that same $45 early in the season and you get that player for 15 weeks, you've basically only spent $3 a week on that player because obviously you're getting a lot more weeks of production out of them. So don't be afraid to spend your fab money early. Uh, you can always trade for more fab money in most leagues. Most leagues that have fab will allow you to trade some. Uh, and there's, there should always be a free agent period after the fab waiver claims go through so that if you need to pick up players to fill streaming defenses or kickers or whatever, and you want to do that, there should always be players available on the waiver wire that you can get for nothing after all the rest of the waivers clear. You can't wait. You can't him and haul. And again, I, I haven't had as much, uh, if at all, any experience with that, but the concepts are there touching on all three, on the inverse order, the rolling order, the fab budget. Again, if you want a guy, go get him. It's the same thing as your draft. Your People might comment or think you made a dumb move, but you're making that move based on some kind of assessment for your team. And, and again, you want to wait, you want to wait. You, you, you can't play those games. Uh, I mean, you might get lucky, you might get away with it, but you know, if there's a big name out there that's going to be a, a, a solid handcuff or, or somebody who's basically a part of a 60-40, almost 50-50 running back by committee, and he's just not the glamorous pick. You know, you look at two players like DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, it's one and one A from what the coach is saying out there. Now, whether or not you decide to take the other guy as, as a close second and, and you're monitoring things, you know, that's up to you. Chances are somebody like that sitting out there, even right now, maybe you got somebody on your bench and you're like, yeah, yeah, I picked them. And, you know, you go back and look through, maybe you're not too happy with it. Go out there, look, look for a name, look for somebody now that everything's kind of settled down and, and see about getting them. Because within the first two, three weeks, uh, I think we all know, and, and for those that are out there listening, sometimes you get down to week six, seven, when the bye weeks start rolling by and you look out there and all those names are gone and there's not a lot of people. I mean, even this year, looking at our league, the waiver wire all-star is probably like Giovanni Bernard. And he's already on a team this year because he's no longer a Bengal. He's just Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Is Giovanni Bernard going to be the NFL MVP? No, but he might win you a couple of weeks in fantasy based on Tom Brady being under center. If there's a guy out there on your waiver wire who could potentially be, you know, a boom, could be a sleeper. Even though your draft is over, go out and grab him. Go go claim him off of waivers or, or wait. Like I said, wait until he becomes a free agent if you don't want to use your waiver priority and, and grab that player now. And you know what? If they have a crappy week one and maybe they get three targets and they're barely on the field, oh, well, what did it cost you? You know what I mean? But if, like I said, if he does end up being the top target on that team and being 
you know, an eight, nine, 10 target a week guy, you basically just got him for less than a last round draft pick basically for free. All right. So I think we covered waivers pretty well, hopefully. Um, hopefully that wasn't too confusing. I know uh, that waivers can be confusing. And, and like I said, I've gotten many texts and phone calls about it. So uh, it definitely is something that takes a little bit of getting used to. But again, like I said, if you have any questions, email us and we will be happy to help you and kind of walk you through that process of waivers. All right. You ready to jump into our uh, start sits for week one? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, you know, this is the big week. Uh, week one. You know, everybody, this is what we all planned for. This is what you waited all year for, um, obviously. This is what you drafted for. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. If not, that's where the waivers come in. And this, yeah, and this is where it all goes down if, if, yep. if, you, if you didn't draft properly. So uh, waivers are going to be important, especially after week one. But uh, making sure that you get yourself off to a good start by by putting in, obviously, your best lineup that you can in week one. Now, obviously, everybody's... More than likely, you're going to start the players that you drafted in the first, you know, eight, nine, 10 rounds, depending on how many players you start in your league. Those are the guys you're going to start for your fantasy football team in most cases. What we wanted to give you today was just a little bit of uh, some guys that you can look at if, you know, maybe you missed out on a player that you really wanted and now you're kind of scrambling to make up that roster spot and you're not really sure who to sit. So, what me and Rudy did was we went through and we looked at some guys who have some potential good matchups based off of last year's sort of defensive stats versus those positional players. Again, we're going off of last year. So these teams could be completely different. I know, you know, look at San Francisco 49ers, for example, their, their defense was not stellar last year, but they also had like 400 players hurt. You know, all those players are back healthy this year. Their defense looks to be uh, what it was hopefully two years ago. So um, just understand that everything is not exactly as we think it it's going to be. And everything is not exactly the way it was last year. But what we wanted to give you today was a few few start sits in case you need a little help. So we're each going to kind of go through and give a, a start and sit at each position. And uh, we both have a defense to stream for you if, you if you're one of those guys who is streaming defenses. All right, so go ahead, Rue. Why don't you start with your with your start quarterback? Sure. Looking around, I mean, obviously there's there's a couple matchups that that stuck out to me. Obviously, you know, you can you can go with some of the heavy hitters for a start, but you know, we're going to try to stay away from some of the most obvious. Like, uh, you're not really going to pull a oh yeah, I'm starting Lamar Jackson, I'm starting Pat Mahomes. Like, we, those are obvious ones, obviously, but. These are a little deeper down if you don't have one of those top tier guys or you're maybe looking to stream. In one vein, I look at a player who has a lot of potential in a new situation. He's in a dynamic offense. Uh, it's a young offense. He's been reunited with one of his wide receivers from his old team uh, that beat him there by a year. I like Sam Darnold this week for the Carolina Panthers. It's a monster revenge game against those New York Jets, the team that just kind of hung them out to dry. Maybe not the whole organization. Uh, that was a big Adam Gase thing. Uh, obviously, he is no longer there. They've moved on to Robert Saleh, and the Jets do look improved, uh, obviously, with a new quarterback, a young rookie, Zach Wilson. They spent their first-round pick on. Uh, they overhauled heavily on the offensive side. Uh, on the Jets, I don't believe that they did too much to increase defensively, and Going off last year, uh, they were one of the poorer defenses in the league. Let's just be polite. 
Uh, obviously, every year is a new year, and obviously you have a coach in Soleil who is defensive-minded first and foremost. So if he's transitioned any of that to them, they may have a shot. But to me, I like Sam Darnold in the revenge game at home, opening up. He's got Christian McCaffrey, who is all-world, probably going to be your number one uh, running back in fantasy. Robbie Anderson, the wide receiver that he knew from the New York Jets, as well as you have DJ Moore. They picked up Dan Arnold as a quietly solid tight end. He's not going to be a, a monster. He's not going to be a, a Waller or a Kittle, but he's a guy underneath that can make some plays for him. I, I just think he's in a really good spot. And I always felt that he was a guy who just was on the bad team at the worst possible time. They didn't do a lot to help him, put much around him. Um, you know, you gave him a broke down Le'Veon Bell for a minute there to try to help. So I, I think Darnold, this could be his his ability to get back to where he needs to be. Obviously, Carolina is still looking to maybe make that move for Deshaun Watson. But I like Sam Darnold as my start for the week uh, against those Jets in a revenge game. I personally am going to go with Kirk Cousins for week one. If, if again, if you missed out on a quarterback or something happens between now and, and week one and and you're looking to, to pick somebody up just to start week one, uh, Kirk Cousins against Cincinnati, I think, is a great choice because that game's got a 48 and a half over under, which means that it's going to be a, a fairly high scoring game. Minnesota's defense is supposed to be better than it was last year. I know last year they were really bad. Two years ago, they were they were actually really good. But Cincinnati has got the offensive weapons to score, whether Minnesota's defense is good or not. Uh, I think Cincinnati is going to score, and I think Minnesota is also going to have to score. And as as much as Minnesota wants to run the ball, when you have two really outstanding receivers like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, the points are just going to happen for Kirk Cousins. It's it's not going to be something that he's really even going to have to try to, to put up points. It's the, I think that's going to be a very high scoring game. And I think honestly that if I'm if I'm a betting man, I'm I'm smashing the over on that game because 48 and a half does not seem like that's where that's going to uh, where that game's going to end up. I feel like that that could push north of 50 points very easily. All right, Rude, you want to give your uh, your quarterback sit for the week? Yeah. Uh, Not really, but. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I do. I, I, I know a lot of people are, are really high on this guy and especially this whole team coming in. I'm going to sit Baker Mayfield at Kansas City. The chefs, those Kansas City Chiefs, uh, like you said, talking about over-unders, looking at points scored, it's 53 combined. I, I know Cleveland has an improved defense uh, with Jadavion Clowney, and I know they're excited to get Odell Beckham Jr. back. They have that ball control, Nick Chubb, run it down your throat kind of offense. Mayfield is game management. He gets them to where they need to be. He can get some open receivers from time to time. But Kansas City is you know, a team where everybody just looks at them offensively. They have one of the better defenses in the league in the last couple of years. That was the one thing to get them over the hump, to get them into the Super Bowl and to get them a championship. And, and last year, it wasn't their defense. Ironically, it was really their offense that failed them uh, with an injured quarterback and, and a banged up offensive line. Getting back to Mayfield, he can win some games for you. I, I don't see him going into Arrowhead in week one and just lighten it up. I mean, everybody remembers the playoff performance they had against Pittsburgh last season when they just dominated the whole game. Again, that was a more, they're more defense based. They're more running game based. You know, if he puts up his 185 yardage and, and a touchdown and a pick, that's that's an average Baker Mayfield day for me. Um, yeah, he's had some, some moments there, but for the most part, I, I don't see him taking it home uh, this week against Kansas City. So my sit for this week is going to be, uh, and this is, this might come as a shock to some people because he's, he was drafted pretty high. 
Um, and I'm not saying that you should sit this guy. I'm just saying if if you have a better option and maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I really don't like Justin Herbert week one against Washington. Um, That's fair. I do think that the Chargers defense is going to be a lot better this year. Again, they were also one of those teams like San Francisco who had a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. And they're going to get a lot of those guys back. I believe that Washington's going to be better offensively, but I don't know for sure that that's going to be the case. And the over-under for this game is only 44 and a half. So Vegas obviously isn't expecting it to be a high-scoring affair. I'm not saying that Herbert's going to have a terrible game, but... Uh, we all know that one way to slow down a quarterback is to put pressure on him. And Washington has one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. And I think that they're going to be super excited week one to get out there and, and show what they can do defensively. And I think uh, that unfortunately comes at the expense of Herbert and the Chargers. And I just don't see, I personally don't see that being a very high scoring game. So I think you can find fantasy points somewhere else if if Herbert happens to be your starting quarterback. So why don't you go ahead and uh, give your start of the week for running back? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, this is a game a lot of people are probably going to look at, not because it's a dream matchup. It's more of a something maybe the, the betters are going to get involved in, the, the DFS guys and, and stuff like that. Going to go diving into that Jacksonville Jaguars against the Houston Texans game, and I love James Robinson. Houston, J.J. Watt is gone. We know what's going on with the quarterback. You have a brand new head coach. The organization itself just looks bad. I mean, you know, everybody wants to use the terms dumpster fire and all that stuff. It, it It's really hard to tell what, what the hell's going on in Houston, to be honest with you, outside of having the home field advantage so to speak, but this is a division game. So this is a monster week one. And you get Jacksonville coming in who pass protection wise, maybe not the greatest. So Trevor Lawrence may not be thrown into the fire just yet in week one. James Robinson, we all remember, and, and Pat, you talked about him earlier, that he was that Andre at the free agent rookie waiver wire pickup darling that everybody, if you got on board with him, uh, you were in a great spot for the rest of the season. He was a godsend uh, at running back. He was one of the one of your premier running backs. And then they went and drafted uh, Travis Etienne or Etienne or ATM or however you want to say his name. But that gentleman, unfortunately, is out for the season. So I think Urban Meyer is going to have to look to what's going to get him home and, and lean on a guy like James Robinson, who is dual threat out of the backfield. And again, seeing him in this matchup and Trevor Lawrence himself being, you know, first game of the season, they may not air it out. You know, he may not throw 35, 40 times. It may be a little more ball control, vanilla, just see what happens. Uh, I, I just see him having a, a terrific game. He might have 30 points plus, uh, depending on your league. Yeah, and if, if Jacksonville gets out to a lead, yeah. running the ball and, and sort of just killing the clock is the way that they're going to secure that win. And, and I think that they are. They're going to have a lead, I believe, and uh, they're going to be running the ball a lot. So I do, I do like Robinson a lot this week as well. My start of the week this week is going to be Gus Edwards. The poor Ravens. They're, they're having 49ers luck already. The Ravens actually worked out Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman this week, uh, looking to probably sign one of those guys to shore up some depth at the running back position. I felt like Gus Edwards coming into the draft or, or coming into your drafts after J.K. Dobbins was injured. We, we talked about this a little bit in our running backs episode that we did. Last year, Dobbins and Gus Edwards carried the ball roughly the same amount of times. I think it was like 144 to 140 or something like that. It was it was pretty even. Now there's no Dobbins. 
now there's no Justice Hill. And so Gus Edwards looks to be the guy in one of the top rushing offenses in the league. I, I can't imagine the Ravens not running wild all over the Raiders on that Monday night game. Gus Edwards probably going to have 20 plus carries the first week. And it would not surprise me if he didn't have at least one, maybe two touchdowns. I feel like Gus Edwards is probably, I know this isn't a DFS podcast, but he's probably one of those guys that you could put plug into your DFS lineup for week one at a fairly cheap rate and get just maximum production out of for this week. So it's looked at to be a high scoring game. The over under is 51 for that game. So I think Edwards is just do. I mean, he could be the running back one this week. I mean, I, I'm not calling it, but I'm kind of calling it. Um, you're, you're calling it. Yeah, a little don't, bit. Don't. I mean, he's. Uh, I will. I will say this: if he's not a top ten running back week one, I will be. I will be surprised. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think maybe boring. God forbid. Like you said, the, the don't say it. It's killing. Don't say there. it. Don't say it. Uh, but you know, uh, they're depending on if they sign somebody. Uh, I believe uh, Tyson Williams is now number two, and he was uh, another one of those like unheralded guys. Uh, he, he gave him a little something last season. They kept him going. So you're probably going to see some action on that level. But, yeah, I mean, obviously the the number one running back happens to be the quarterback, and obviously defense is key on that. But, yeah, Gus Edwards is giving production constantly, and the Raiders – can't stop anybody. Yeah, I I think yeah he could get he could get thirty carries and then yeah be that guy that just you know buck forty five like you say two touchdowns and usually week one and you see a couple breakout players but yeah he's probably going to be a top three maybe top five and yeah if he ends up number one not surprised. All right, so who who are we sitting for week one at the running back position or who do we not like? I should say. Well. Don't like him uh, for the season and then noticed there were some injuries in the preseason. And I touched on his backup when we were talking about uh, waiver pickups and stuff. Uh, I am sitting DeAndre Swift. Again, he may have home field advantage. Uh, they just came out and said that he will be starting week one. So maybe the he had a groin issue during the preseason. They really didn't get him out there. If you're worried about a groin injury, you sat him, you're going up against the Niners to look to be a little bit stronger back again on defense. The Lions, there's another team that looks a little hard to tell. You have a new coaching staff. Stafford is gone. You now have Jared Goff in there, and that is not an even trade by any stretch. The wide receiving core is completely rebuilt. The tight end, Hawkinson, is what everybody's saying the entire offense is going to run through. So, you know, the defenses are keying on him. So they're probably staying in the box, spying him, or maybe having a linebacker just follow him out. To me, Jamal Williams being right behind him, and they feel that he's a 1A. So they probably are almost looking at split. I don't see DeAndre Swift taking this game over, having a monster game. If you're nursing a groin injury, your coach is that tough old school guy. He wants you out there. He wants to make sure you can play and you want to play. Are you 100%? No. And no, not a lot of NFL players are, but you want to start the season pretty darn close to 100%. I don't think he's there yet. I did have worries about him with the load and his size and possible injuries. If it's going to drag over from the preseason, I hope nothing happens to the guy. I really don't want to see anything, uh, another running back, another young player go down. I do not feel that DeAndre Swift is in a favorable matchup against the 49ers until I know he's healthy and until I can see what this offense is going to be. Yeah, I actually have been fading Swift in drafts, period, just because because of the injury, because of, again, how, how poor I believe the Lions are going to be. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that one for sure. 
So, all right. So my set for the week is going to be uh, technically two players. It's really more of the the entire backfield for the Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> I just, I still don't know who the actual starter is. If there's a starter, if it's going to be a 50-50 split. And like you said earlier, now that Gio Bernard is there, a 50-50 split of, of what? First and second down. I mean, is, is Gio going to be the third down back? You know, how much pass catching work is actually going to be there for Jones and Fournette if... It's just, to me, there's just, I need to see one guy emerge as sort of the starter, the go-to guy. And then I might be a little bit more confident, you know, coming into week two, week three. But last year, they were just all over the place. One game, Jones would have a good game. Next week, it would be Fournette. This year, it could be Geo in in a week. I just don't know. And I feel like this is going to be a high-scoring game. So if I actually had to put my money on anybody to have a good game this week out of that backfield, it would probably be Bernard. Because I feel like the Bucks are probably going to be passing. The Cowboys are are a high powered offense. The, the over under for this game is fifty two, and I just I think it's going to be a high scoring game. It's the opening game Thursday night football. I just don't see either of these running backs having enough of a workload to be relevant week one. I mean, if I see it week one, obviously we can move forward. But with the information that we have now, which is all we can go off of. I just don't like either of these guys, and I'm fading both of them week one if I can. My wide receiver start of the week is actually Antonio Brown. You know, he wasn't drafted in most leagues to be a starter, maybe maybe a flex consideration. I, I but, did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I did in in my other draft on Sunday, I, I and I actually have him in my lineup week one because, again, same reasons that I don't like their running backs is the same reasons I love their wide receivers. I yeah. just feel like this is going to be a high-scoring game, and I'm really not going to, you know, beat it up anymore. I, I think you should start all of your Bucks receivers. I think Gronk is a decent start this week. I, I mean, all the pass catchers there. Uh, I would stay away from the running backs and and put my money on the pass catchers in Tampa Bay. No, a- absolutely. I don't think you can go wrong. I know some people are fading Mike Evans and and this one and that one, but you're still you have that quarterback back there throwing that ball. Like I said, I. I in our league uh, on Saturday, I picked him and I picked him to be one of my starters uh, because I do see that the stats and, and we talked about him earlier in the season. You you were high on what he put up in a small sample size last year once he signed with Tampa Bay. And he seemed to be that player to really get him over the hump. Who do you yeah. got for your start? Well, you know, I, I, again, going from uh, fading a Swift and now uh, starting a Smith, uh, I like Devonta Smith for the Philadelphia Eagles as my start of the week against the Atlanta Falcons. I know some people say, you're a homer, blah, blah, blah. Look, he's my guy. I love him. Uh, I look at this as being a completely advantageous matchup. Going off last year, Atlanta's pass defense was 32nd in the league. They sucked. And Wait, how many many teams are in the league? There are only 32. So they were, yeah, they were that, they were that poor. Keanu Neal, who was, Probably their best guy in the secondary as far as safety goes. Uh, he's gone. He went to Dallas. He's actually being converted into kind of a hybrid uh, linebacker safety concept down there. You, you didn't see anything in the preseason from the Eagles, and you don't see a lot from most of the teams. Uh, but they were pretty much just refusing to start people. They want to keep everybody in the dark as far as what their offense is. Uh, I know he had a little MCL sprain at the beginning of the season. A lot of these guys get these little knocks. He's getting used to the speed of the game here. And, and not to sound like everybody on Twitter and you know, to, to see the route running, to see the pedigree of a wide receiver like this, again, against a, in a matchup like this, he was drafted number one to be that guy, him and Hertz. They have a connection from college. So he's definitely going to be a guy he looks to 
downfield. To say 10 targets, won't be surprised. To say seven catches, won't be surprised. To say 70 yards and a touchdown, won't be surprised. Uh, I think people through the season are going to turn around and be, I think more people nationally are higher on him than they are locally. And there's good reason for that. They see what he brings to the table. Yet they're not high on Hertz, but uh, there's another guy who I think is going to uh, surprise a lot of people with with his ability, and and I'm I'm about Devonta Smith this week as my start against the Atlanta Falcons. So, what do you have for your sit then? Uh, for my sit of the week, I am going a little uh, I'm going a little against a a player from the Detroit game I spoke of against the Niners. Uh, that would be uh, Debo Samuel. It, it's no slight on his ability or anything like that. That offense this year, they added a running back in Trey Sermon. You have Raheem Mostert. Uh, I think Brandon Ayuk is their go-to guy when it comes to wide receivers. And you also have George Kittle, who is, again, he's one of those tight ends who's a de facto wide receiver one, so to speak. Yeah, one of those game script type sets where you just don't see a lot of points being scored, and in which case you don't see a lot of wide receiver points scored in fantasy generally. So. Uh, yeah. usually that's the way it goes. The more points, the the better the quarterbacks and wide receivers do. And usually those defensive struggles tend to lend themselves more to the running backs because you're getting a little bit more work on the ground, killing the clock, you know, things like that. And my, my sit at wide receiver is actually, the reasoning is almost exactly the same as yours for Debo Samuel. My sit of the week is DJ Chark. I've been hearing a lot of good things out of camp about LaVisca Chenault, about Marvin Jones. I haven't really heard a lot about Chark, I know technically he's still listed as the one on their depth chart, but again, I don't see Jacksonville having to throw the ball a lot. I just feel like Houston is going to struggle to score. Talked about James Robinson being your start for running backs. And I feel like while I don't necessarily love any of the wide receivers in Jacksonville, Chark is probably the one that I have the least confidence in. So that's why I kind of picked him to be my sit for the week. Let's move on to the tight end position. Who do you like this week as your start for tight ends? Tight end. Uh, well, we've talked a little bit about the matchup itself, and uh, I, I go back to um, the quarterback that everybody loves or loves to hate, Tom Brady, and he's got his guys in Tampa Bay. Uh, I look at a player, uh, Rob Gronkowski. This guy it has just been a monster and a nightmare in the league for a decade and, and then some. Um, to see what he's able to put up and, and to be that force of a tight end. He, he's one of the more revolutionary guys. I mean, like when he came into the league, you kind of had him. You had like a Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates. There were these big tight ends that could catch the ball and still block and be a physical presence. And you've seen the next generation come along with Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, Waller. Uh, now you have Mark Andrews. And then again, even Kyle Pitts is being drafted to be that guy. That's that next level of a position that used to just be a blocker has become so much more integral part of the offense. Again, he's, he may not get all the receptions. He may not get the yardage, but I definitely see him down by the goal line being an option for Brady. I'm going to go with Anthony Ferkser from the- Watch your language, please. Kids are <laughs> with, the, uh, with the Tennessee Titans. I'm playing Arizona, and uh, it does, again, it's one of those games that's projected to be a high-scoring game. Uh, another 52 point over under, you know, obviously we talked a lot in our first few podcasts about the whole Julio Jones and AJ Brown and who's the one and, you know, all of that stuff. And, and I feel like those conversations are probably going on in the Arizona Cardinals defensive uh, team meetings. 
as we speak. And I think Anthony Ferkser kind of gets forgotten about. Um, we know that Derrick Henry doesn't catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. That's not really his thing. And if we expect, you know, again, if you're expecting 52 points and Ryan Tannehill is probably going to have to throw the ball, I'm guessing around 30 to 35 times. Listen, man, you can't target AJ Brown and Julio Jones 17 times each. I mean, you could, but I just don't think that that's feasible. I feel like Ferks are almost like the opposite of Gronk. I feel like he's probably going to get a lot of targets, a lot of catches, probably rack up some yards, may or may not score you a touchdown, but against the Arizona defense who has just perennially been terrible against the tight end position. I feel like Furcher is a great start week one. If, uh, if you missed out on, like I said, missed out on that tight end train in the, uh, or if you, maybe you picked up Dallas Goddard or, you know, somebody who, uh, I have as my sit for this week. Uh, I feel like Furcher could be a guy that you could plug in, in that spot and get some production out of him, at least for one week. I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, the tight end five, for the season, but uh, this week against Arizona, I think he's got a shot at being a uh, a very usable piece in your in your fantasy lineup. And I'll go ahead and give my sit for tight end since I kind of already spoiled the surprise for everyone. Uh, my sit for the week is going to be Dallas Goddard versus Atlanta uh, for for sort of the same reason that you that you like Devontae Smith. I, I kind of don't like Dallas Goddard. I think that um, I think that Smith is going to be. The main target there, I think his connection from college with Jalen Hurts is going to shine in week one. And obviously, the whole thing with Zach Ertz, he was rumored to be traded. And, you know, obviously that didn't happen. He's still on the team. And we talked a lot this preseason, this offseason, whatever you want to call this draft season about Ertz and how he just sort of disappeared in people's minds. I think that Smith will probably be the number one target. I think that Ertz is going to be the the two. And I mean, maybe Goddard falls to the three. Speaking of fades on tight ends, the next guy for me is one of two. Uh, the New England Patriots spent a lot of money to try to revamp the offense. They brought in two big name tight ends. I spent a ton of money on them. They brought in Johnny Smith out of Tennessee, and they brought Hunter Henry from the Los Angeles Chargers. It's going to be hard to tell who their go-to guy is. I feel like Smith has been healthier and more consistent. He just has trouble staying on the field. Um, He can be a big play guy. I don't know what it's going to be like for him in a new offense. It's hard to tell. I don't see Bill Belichick. Maybe his plan was to try to revisit what he had back in the day when he had Gronkowski and, and he had Aaron Hernandez and he had two tight ends that we're both capable blockers and to get out and catch the ball. I don't think he, I don't think Mac Jones in his first game, uh, and I think he's going to have a great, great season. I, I do. I think he's, he's looking up, but uh, I, I don't see him picking Hunter Henry out more. I see if, if Smith is probably the primary, he's going to be the guy to go out and catch the most. Henry maybe stay in more and block. I, I would sit Hunter Henry. I, I wouldn't think of him in the same way you did when he was with the Chargers and he was the only option at tight end. Yeah, I think uh, I think the fact that they went out and got Johnny Smith first kind yeah. of shows that they he was the guy that they really wanted. And I think Connor Henry kind of fell into their lap um, as, a, as a secondary option. And, and I do think that they sort of harken back to the, the Gronk and Aaron Hernandez days. All right. So for those of you who stream defenses, which uh, that is 
Uh, sort of my, my calling card in fantasy football is is defenses. I I feel like I do a very good job. I've actually checked my numbers throughout the years and and found that I do an, an excellent job actually at streaming defenses. I usually score uh, within the top four or five ranked defenses. Not every single week, but on a on a yearly basis, streaming I I do pretty well at that. So we're going to try to give you some streaming options each week. We'll we'll do this start sit probably every week, and we'll do you know obviously our starts and sits for defenses. So. I think personally, if you are streaming a defense, I think you could, you know, again, we're, I'm looking at, at defenses that now, you know, obviously going into the draft, if you're in a league where you have to draft a defense, that is where I will draft one that I like. The 49ers have been that defense for me, but if you're not able to get the 49ers or if you're looking, um, you know, maybe the defense that you drafted has a pretty bad matchup week one, and maybe you're just, you want to look for another defense for one week. I really like the Green Bay Packers this week. I feel like the way that game flow is going to go, I feel like Aaron Rodgers and, and the Packers are going to score. They always do. Even as good as the Saints defense is, it, nobody seemed to be able to stop the Packers last year. They were the top scoring offense in the league. And I think they're going to score against New Orleans in week one. And when your offense scores, the other team has to throw the ball as well. And we all remember what happened last time Jameis Winston was asked to throw the ball a lot. Uh, I want to say he ended the season with somewhere around 30 interceptions. So uh, when you're looking at defenses to stream, you want to stream defenses that are that are going to be playing against teams that turn the ball over first and foremost, because turnovers are points and they can lead to points. So, you know, those pick sixes, those those fumble recoveries for touchdowns, turnovers are the key. That's, you know, I, I streamed a lot of defenses against the Giants last year because Daniel Jones just... It was like they greased the ball up before they snapped it to him. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's I'm not saying that the Saints are going to turn the ball over, but from what I know about Jameis Winston and what I know about the Packers and knowing that they're they're more than likely gonna put points up, I feel like this could be a game where Green Bay could end up with with quite a few interceptions and and maybe take one back to the house. So I really like them this week against uh, New Orleans. Green Bay's quietly got a decent defense, and you know Rodgers is going to be able to do his thing. Uh, New Orleans has a decent defense too, but at the end of the day, you're going to see yeah Winston try to maybe be forced to win a game, and that's not going to work. All right, so who do you have as your defensive start for the week? Well, uh, yeah, again, I I kind of faded Baker Mayfield earlier, and, and definitely feel like he's a strong. Candidate uh, against Kansas City. So, to the inverse of that, I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs uh, against the Cleveland Browns. I know that Cleveland has a ground and pound offense, uh, so they're not too aerial based and maybe not give up big plays and and a lot of things. On that level, uh, I feel that, again, being the home team, having a little bit of a chip on your shoulder uh, from losing the Super Bowl uh, and wanting to defend your home turf and come out against a team that is. Again, they're they're looking to be a contender. I think a lot of people are high on Cleveland after their their playoff showing last year and feel that they are ready to take it to the next level. The over under is fifty three. I feel like a lot of that is probably leaning Chiefs, where maybe they figure they could put up about thirty five to forty points out of that. You know, that being the case, crushing it uh, completely against Kansas City again. If they run the ball, control the clock, that's great. They're going to get some yardage make some plays. Hey, maybe they put up, you know, 15, 20 points, but I, I don't see Kansas city. I see them maybe a little bend and break, but, but I don't see them giving up at home against Cleveland when they have to come out and show that they're ready to play against anybody and make it back to the super bowl for the third year in a row. And hopefully win their second out of three years, 
Uh, so I am Kansas City Chiefs is my defensive start against the Cleveland Browns this week. And then uh, I guess since we're going that round, I might as well talk about who I'm going to sit big on Kansas City. I feel like this week my sit for defense is actually going to be the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they're going into Indianapolis to play the Colts. Again, there's another defense from last year. Seattle uh, was getting torched in the secondary last year, especially near the end of the year. Uh, that was that was a big one where matchup-based-wise, you were looking for quarterbacks and wide receivers to go up against them. They were historically bad uh, at some points. Going to play, uh, again, a, a team like Indianapolis that – Last year had a very solid offense. Uh, they will, will be looking to beat you. Their defense is pretty solid as well. Uh, I personally feel like Carson Wentz just had one of those years that you just want to write off last year. And in Philly, it just didn't work, and he had to move on. I think he's in a good spot. Pittman Jr. is there as a wide receiver. Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. He, this is going to be one of the few times you could say maybe he has a lot of weapons that are are there to work with him. But uh, I'm against the, the Seattle Seahawks going on the road this week. I know they're a road favorite. They're given three. Uh, but uh, but I definitely I don't see them maybe uh, dominating defensively against the Colts. This could be more of a shootout game. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, they, they, were, they were really bad at some points last year, like you said. I am going to stick with a theme that we sort of have uh, been going with today as far as our starts and sits. And I'm going to sit, was possibly rated the number one defense going into a lot of drafts I saw on some of the, you know, the cheat sheets that some people were using. These guys were rated number one overall, Um, but I'm sitting Tampa Bay defense uh, in week one. I, like I said, they held Pat Mahomes in Kansas City to nine points in that Super Bowl. And they definitely made Brady's seventh ring pretty easy for him to get but um Dallas's offense with Dak back I mean like I said the we talked about him a little bit in our our quarterback tight end podcast he's he was phenomenal last year he looks serious he looks poised he realizes how big missing last season was and 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 some of the expectations and I think now that the team has invested some some draft capital on the defensive side of the ball. He sort of knows that this is the year that Dallas is expected to run away with this division. They're expected to make the playoff and um, they may not necessarily beat the Bucks on Thursday night, but my money is on Dallas scoring some points and Tampa Bay sort of needing to keep up with them. So I am going to sit Tampa's defense this week if, if I went ahead and drafted him and, and try to pick up somebody else. Well, hopefully... You know, hopefully these uh, these start sits pan out. Uh, otherwise, we look like complete morons. But uh, no, I think that has that, nothing uh, to do with it. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I, I think that uh, I think that our, our our logic seems reasonable, and uh, I, I think all of these players that we listed as start sits, there's definitely reasons to like or dislike them based off of matchups, based off of you know their their uh, place in the pecking order on their team or or what have you. So. Yeah, definitely some some guys to be weary of and some guys to be excited about. But uh, hopefully this helps, you know, any of our listeners make some some good start decisions for week one. And, and we'll come back next week and we'll revisit these a little bit, see which ones we were right on and which ones we were wrong on. And uh, hopefully try to do better the next time and uh, just keep moving forward with it. But for now, unless you have anything else to add, I think that's going to do it for this episode. I just want to say good luck, everybody. You know, it's a brand new season. You got a lot of opportunities out there. Hopefully Pat and I gave you some concepts to think about, uh, especially Pat went uh, diving deep on the waiver wire concepts and a little bit of a strategy of uh, what he said 
it, it may definitely help you uh, get a guy and, and that guy helps to, to win a week and, and maybe your season. And yeah, we'll give you the starts and sits that we see. Uh, you may agree, you may disagree, um, but you know, have fun. Good luck. We'll see you again next week, folks. And, and thanks for listening. Yeah. Good luck, everyone. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. 